All right, good morning, TBC family and friends. Grateful to be with you. Let's take our scriptures and turn together to the gospel of Luke chapter four, verse 14. Maybe as you're doing that, maybe turn to your neighbor and tell them hello or good morning. Maybe welcome your spouse if you haven't spoken to him or her, but take a minute, say hello to those around you and let's welcome each other as you're trying to find the gospel of Luke chapter four. And there, I'm also gonna throw you a curveball because we're gonna go to the, new, uh, the Old Testament as well, to Deuteronomy six. So be ready to move. Luke chapter four, let's just dive into verse 14. I wanna encourage you to follow along God's word, however you do. It says and begins, and Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit and news about him spread through all the surrounding region. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. Pastor Sherm kicked off a teaching series last weekend that we are calling the habits of Jesus because we as followers of Christ, for those who are seeking to, to follow him, as it talks about in 1 John chapter two, it says, those who are in Christ must walk as Jesus walked. And so as we look at his habits and his customs, we as his people are trying to imitate Jesus. And so last week, Pastor Sherm did such a great job helping us understand how Jesus pulled away and how he practiced solitude. And get we're going to see deep another and habit personal and intimate text. with someone. The reality in the context is you've got to get along with Jesus them. Has just come I learned out of the this a long time ago. Spring of 1989, I got my group of friends and, and, and we're all going to the, the Amy Grant Michael God. W. Smith concert. All right, I know that's dating me. Galilee, We're all in an college, and then my group of friends, there's this one cute Jesus girl spent a named great Beth, deal of his time and I really wanted to get to know her, and but healings all and my teaching. friends were so around, he goes to north, all up in my space, Galilee, well, and I'm trying to get to know this girl, I want to sit next to her, didn't get to sit next to her, trying to get to know her, but I couldn't because all these other people are around, right? Eight years later, I finally married her, long story, but if you really want to get personal with someone, you want to get intimate with someone, you've got to get alone with them, same with God, if you really want to go deep as God, was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. by yourself now, to a secluded place. Just as in Nazareth, place. there were synagogues in other cities and towns as well. Now, we don't know much about synagogues. The details and the origin and the development is a little bit obscure, unclear, but we do know that a synagogue was a building. It was a facility. And based on ruins that they have found of synagogues, this is a picture of what a synagogue may have looked like. And a synagogue, like the word church, it means it refers to the people that come together for a particular purpose. So a synagogue, like a church, is the people that gather. It's the people. Now, yes, synagogue and church can refer to a building, but both of these terms refer to those who have assembled for a particular purpose. And it says that Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. And the Sabbath was a day set aside for really two reasons, a day of rest, but also a day to assemble with other Jews for the purpose of worship. And this is what Jesus is doing. And notice the text says, as was his custom, or we would say, as was his habit. So it was his habit to enter the synagogue on the Sabbath, as was his custom. As a young boy, Jesus 
practiced this. As a teenager, Jesus practiced this. And now we're seeing it. He's practicing it as an adult. My parents were in town with us this weekend and I just was reminded being around them how, you know, our parents kind of impact us and our parents kind of help shape our habits. And we as parents, we shape our own children and their habits. And parents, if I could just encourage you as a fellow parent, we have this window to kind of stir certain things in our children's hearts, to kind of instill certain habits in them. We have this window, this opportunity, and may we make the most of it. And Friday night, my younger son said, hey, dad, can we, can we watch Ben-Hur, the, the old Ben-Hur with Charlton Heston? And, and, and so I said, sure. And so we rented that on Amazon, but I don't think there are many 12-year-olds going to their mom or dad saying, hey, can we watch Ben-Hur with Charlton Heston? I don't think that's happening. And even my 14-year-old is all about that. But here's why. When they were young, when they were little, we introduced them to the great movie, The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. And if you've seen that old classic, it's a great movie. And so we introduced that movie to my children when they were young, and that kind of stirred their affections for those kinds of movies. And as parents, that's what we're able to do. We're able to create these appetites in our children. They turn into habits, whether good or bad. And so as Jesus, as was his custom as a child and a teenager and adult, he went into the synagogue on, on the Sabbath. And so maybe you're a young parent and you're thinking, I need help. I need help in how I can help form healthy habits in my children. As a church, we want to come around you in a variety of ways. Pastor Stephen talked about the parenting catalyst event we're doing, but we also have coming up what's called a class for family dedication. It's a, a chance for parents to get with other parents and to make a commitment that we're going to do to the best of our ability with the help of the church to raise our children in a God-honoring home. And so parents, I wanna encourage you, take advantage of this. Get surrounded by other parents and church leaders and church volunteers who can help you instill healthy habits in your, in your children. Don't do it alone. But Jesus, he he had this habit of, of going to the synagogue. And we don't know exactly what happened in the synagogue, but this, this passage gives us a glimpse. And so if you look with me and continue in that passage in Luke chapter four, verse 17, it says, and the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to Jesus. And he unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written. And if you keep reading, it says that Jesus read the scripture. And so we know that in a synagogue service, there was scripture reading. That's why we try to incorporate scripture into our songs and our preaching. And even occasionally you'll see scripture reading on the screens. But then after Jesus in the synagogue read the scriptures, if you look at verse 21, it says, now he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So there's scripture reading in the synagogue service, but there's also preaching Jesus preached on the passage that he read. But there is also in a synagogue service, we know that there are prayers. There's benedictions just as we offer at the end of our gatherings. There's also a time to take up offering and to share that with those in need and meet other needs. But often the synagogue service started the same. And it started with the people reciting what's called the Shema. And the Shema is found in Deuteronomy chapter six, 
verses four and five. And so if you were to walk into a synagogue service and it was about to begin, or it was as it was beginning, one of the first elements in the gathering would be the people would say this scripture. Hear Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. This was the verse for Jews. It was their central verse. It was their chief confession that pledged their allegiance to God and God alone. And when they gathered together to worship, they started with this confession. And so Jesus, as was his custom, his habit was to go into the synagogue and to worship God on a weekly basis. Jesus went to church to worship God It was a habit of Jesus. But there is also the habit of not going to church, the habit of not being involved in what we would call corporate worship. And it's something that happens today. Now, many in the room and many of those engaged online, you're a part of our local gathering regularly. But there are those who have made a habit of not gathering with God's people. But it's not something new. It's happened. It happened in the early church. And let me show you what I mean. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, the author of Hebrews is writing to early Christians to the early church. And he says, and let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our own meeting together, as is the habit of some people. And so even in the early church, there were those who were in the habit of gathering And there were those who were out of the habit of gathering. They had drifted. They had spiritually drifted from gathering with God's people. Now, how many of you collected baseball cards growing up? Several of us. I remember being a young boy and loved going to the gas station and and finding that that packet and, and you opened it up. What was the very first thing you got out of there? The gum, and it was terrible, right? Yes, but we loved the gum anyway. And I, I would collect baseball cards. There were sometimes I remember going to sports paraphernalia places to maybe get a certain card, or I remember trying to trade cards with my buddies. And I've got some really fantastic baseball cards. I've got a Carl Ustrzemski baseball card. I've got a Nolan Ryan card that's in this nice frame. And and I remember trading cards and buying cards. And and I rem- I was. All, I was passionate about collecting baseball cards. And I imagine some of you had the same experience. But I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure where my baseball cards are today. <laughs> I think they're in this wooden box that's inside another box that I kept them in, maybe in my attic, but I can't promise you that. Maybe. You see how I drifted? There was a time I was all in on collecting baseball cards. But over the years, I have drifted from that passion. And for some, that's corporate worship. There was a time they were all in. There was a time they were all in every week. Their family was all in. But they have spiritually drifted away from gathering weekly with God's people. And maybe you have had 
that experience. That this may be the first time that you've been back in some time. Because like the early Christians, you have had this drift, this drift that's pulled you away from gathering with God's people, just as Jesus did. And so for the time remaining, I want us to look at this verse that was so central to the Jewish congregation, a verse that expressed their chief allegiance. And I want to pull a few things from this one verse that I hope will encourage all of us to continue meeting together weekly. That when we are tempted to drift from gathering with God's people, I hope the things that we pull out of the scripture will encourage us to gather weekly with God's people. And so look with me at this central verse, this chief confession of God's people. And notice how Deuteronomy chapter six, the verse four begins with here. Here, that's important. Here, most of you, Give, give, give all week long. You're giving to your job. You're giving to your sport. You're giving to your team. You're giving to your spouse. You're giving to your boss. You're giving to your neighbors. You give, give, give. You do, do, do. It's effort, effort, effort all week long. And from Deuteronomy 6, we learn that we are called to hear. We're called to listen we're called to listen. And we see an example of this in the early church. In Acts chapter 20, verse 7, we read about the church gathering. It says, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered, Luke writes, together, again, together, to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day, and he prolonged his message until midnight. So there's two groups in this passage. There is the one teaching God's word, the one speaking God's word, the one sharing the gospel, and as those together, the second group, and what are they doing? They are hearing. They are listening They're listening to receive. And that's one of the reasons that we gather each week. We listen to receive. We receive encouragement. We receive instruction. We receive support. We listen to receive. And so all week you're giving and you're doing, you're giving effort, effort, effort. But on Sundays, when we gather God's people, we are to listen, to receive. Now, let's be honest. Some of us maybe gather on Sundays like an NFL scout or food critic, and we listen to critique, or maybe we listen to compare, or maybe if we're really honest, we might listen to criticize. But when we gather, we are called to, as the congregation in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we're called to receive. We're called to receive. And there is something super important in this that kind of blew my mind this week as I studied. When you and I listen to receive when we're gathered like this, it's so important 
because it reminds us of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, all week long, you are giving, 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 but here you come to receive. And is that not the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is that not what the gospel reminds us about? That it's not based on us giving. It's not based on us doing. It's not based on our effort. It's based on Jesus's person and his work. And this is what Paul says in Titus chapter three, verse five. He saved us not on the basis of deeds, which we did in righteousness, but in accordance with his mercy. And so right now, as you are sitting and as you are listening and as you are receiving, you are at the same time reminding yourself of what the gospel of Jesus Christ has done and what it is. That you are not saved by your doing, by your effort, by your giving. You're saved because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so when the church gathers to listen, to receive, we're remembering what Jesus has done for us on our behalf. And we can rest that our salvation is not based on our doing. We listen to receive. And in doing so, we're reminded what Jesus has done for us. That your righteousness is not based on your doing, but on his righteousness. We listen to receive, but also notice he says, hear Israel, not hear Moses, hear Israel, the entire congregation. There's a plurality there. And there's a, there, there's a plurality with the church. Have you thought about the metaphors used to describe the church in the New Testament? There's a variety of them. There is the metaphor of the body in first Corinthians. There's the metaphor of the family in Galatians. There's the metaphor of the house. All of these metaphors, they're individuals, their parts, their members, their bricks that make up the whole. So we are not alone. When we come together, when we congregate, we remind ourselves, we're not alone. I'm not alone in this. I've got brothers and I've got sisters. And this is what Hebrews chapter 10 that we just read reminds us about. And going back to that passage, Paul or the author of Hebrews says, and let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our own meeting together as, in the, as is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we congregate to encourage. We come together to encourage one another. And it comes to the shaking of a hand th- through a hug through listening to one another sing. Sometimes there's people around you, they need to hear you sing because your singing is what's gonna lift their spirit. This is why we don't crank the music up all the way because we believe the best instrument are our voices and to encourage one another, we need to hear one another. And so we congregate to encourage. We congregate to encourage. The world is caught up to us on understanding the importance of us gathering together. This is a quote from a study out of Harvard and their public health, and I wanna share it with you. It says, people who attend religious services at least once a week were significantly less likely to die from deaths of despair, including deaths related to suicide, drug overdose, and alcohol poisoning, according to new research led by Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. They've discovered this and they, the research has shown this, that, that this gathering, what we do is what's called a social determinant. And what that means is this, this is a non-medical gathering that influences 
and encourages better health. And so we congregate to encourage. This is one of the ways that God works in us. One of the ways that he helps to make us healthy, both in mind and spirit. And so we congregate to encourage. And so when you come, encourage one another. Encourage one another. Hear Israel. And notice how the rest of this passage goes. The Lord is our God. This is another reason why we gather, why we worship on Sundays. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The congregation back then is being challenged to recall who God is. Have you ever played king or queen of the mountain? Have you ever played that game? You know, you're, you're up on the hill. Maybe when you were a young boy or young girl, you, there was, you found a, a place in the neighborhood that kind of had this dirt mound and, and one person would stand on and then, and then your friends try to knock you off of it. And, and then that person gets up there and, and they try to knock you off. And we have this mat my, my in-laws do and we'll put it in the pool and the kids will get on and they're trying to, you know, fight each other off and they're playing king or queen of the mat. I, on a recent vacation, we were on the beach and I drew a circle in the sand and we were gonna play king of the circle. And I, but my older son, he just can almost whoop me now. And I'm like, we're done that. No more king of the circle, no more king of the mountain for me because my older son can, can take me. But all week long, you, you and I are having to play king or queen of the mountain. And there are people around you at work, at school, in your neighborhood and they're trying to pull you down. They're trying to take you out. They're trying to discourage you. They're trying to get you off center each and every day. The culture's trying to do it. Some of your so-called friends are trying to do it. Some of your coworkers, and you're trying to stay centered. And all week long, people are trying to decenter you. And so one of the reasons that we come together together like this is to recall who God is. Because in recalling who God is, we recenter ourselves. And we're reminded of who God is and what he has done for us. And this is what the congregation of old did. And this is what the congregation is meant to do when we gather today. We're meant to remind ourselves, to recall who God is, that he is the only God. He is the true God. And we are to respond appropriately. And so we recall who he is so that we can recenter ourselves and our lives on him. Because starting tomorrow, people are gonna try to de- center your life. And so if I can just challenge us as a congregation, let us make gathering together like this weekly a priority. Let us come and may we come to listen, to receive, to congregate, to encourage, to recall so that we can recenter our lives. Have you, ever, have you ever heard of habits that they've identified as keystone habits? A keystone habit is defined as this. It's small changes or habits that people introduce into their routines that unintentionally carry over into other aspects of their lives. And so exercise would be a keystone habit. It's a habit, a small change you can make in your life 
that maybe will lead to other good habits, maybe better eating habits. Drinking water can be a keystone habit. That small change in your life can maybe lead to other positive changes, like maybe drinking less things that have sugar in it. Family mealtime is is considered a keystone habit that can lead to increased social interactions with your children and increased attitudes in your children and and an increase in, in improvement in homework. Well, I like to think that what we do on Sundays for the Christian is a keystone habit. That as we gather together weekly, as we prioritize that, as we make that our custom, just as Jesus did, that as we make it our habit together like this, that it leads to other healthy changes. That maybe gathering like this leads to a better prayer life. That gathering like this leads to better alone time with God. That the gathering together like this leads to increased joy amidst the struggles you face during the week. Or gathering like this leads to greater faith during the week. And so maybe for the Christian, corporate worship is our keystone habit that leads to significant change for us throughout the week. But we can't do this without our help. And so I want to ask the spirit of the living God to help form this in us. So would you please pray with me? Father, thank you for your word, your very words to us. May we never take it for granted this moment, what we get to do. And so, Father, I do want to pray for us as a congregation, as your people, as your body, that you would help us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would prioritize, that we would protect this time of gathering together as your people to hear from you, to encourage one another, and to recall all that you have done for us so that we can recenter our life on you and your word. But we confess we cannot do this without your help. So we ask for your spirit to help us and enable us. Father, for the one among us who has has a spiritual drift that is finding it difficult to make corporate worship a part of their weekly routine, Father, we just pray your spirit would gently come alongside them to encourage them to make this a priority of gathering with your people to worship you. And so, Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the benefits that it brings to us. May it encourage us and may it challenge us to continue each and every day to walk as your son, Jesus Christ, in whose great name we pray, amen.